Hi, and welcome to the Luminaries In and Out of Sect podcast, a show about the moon and how astrologers embody and relate to it. My name is S.P. Hall, and I'm your host. Today we are doing something a little bit different. So this is a mini-series entitled, What Makes an Astrologer? which came about as a result of the comments that Rob Hand made on a recent astrology podcast episode about significations in the birth chart of a professional astrologer. The link to this episode is in the show notes. Therein, Rob Hand makes a bit of an offhand comment saying, The 11th sign from the lot of fortune is a place of acquisition. People, and here he's referring to Project Hindsight, started looking at their charts, and an awful lot of people had one of the following things true. The Lot of Fortune was in a sign ruled by Mercury, or Mercury was in the sign of the Lot of Fortune, or those same two conditions applied to the place of acquisition, which is the 11th sign from the Lot of Fortune. And to this day, if I don't find that in a person's chart, I wonder about their credentials as an astrologer. This is for making money by astrology, by the way. It's not for studying it. All you need to study astrology is a good, solid Mercury. In the wake of this episode, there was some commentary about this quote on social media. Being curious about what Hans said myself, I put out a tweet thread looking at these conditions in five professional astrologers' charts. And in one way or another, all five of these people met Hans' criteria. I've put a link to that tweet thread in the show notes for your reference. In response to that, Michelle, who is Astrospection on Twitter, shared a database of famous astrologers from astroseek.com with me and encouraged me to do more research into this subject. I was reticent, but Mo, who is Astral Tour on Twitter, told me that she'd help me carry out a research project looking at Hans criteria in famous and or professional astrologers' charts. Mo and I ended up looking at about 90 charts of historical famous astrologers and received input from about 40 contemporary professional astrologers through a Google form survey. In this series, I will speak with five astrologers and thinkers, Cameron Allen, Daniel Norman, Amy Green, Dorje Kirsten, and Ali A. Olomi, about their thoughts on Rob Hand's comments and other significations they identify in the birth chart that may point to remuneration from astrology. The series will culminate in a conversation between Mo and I, where we discuss our research and the conclusions that we've drawn from it. In addition, I plan to release an article on my website, after the series airs, where I summarize our findings and the thoughts of my guests in this series. Please be sure to subscribe to my website for updates, which is linked in the show notes below. Now for my fourth conversation of this series with the astrologer Amy Green. In this episode, we get quite technical and textual by talking about several delineations laid out by Firmicus Maternus and Abu Mashar. In particular, we discuss Firmicus's material on the house second from the lot of fortune and the planets therein, as well as the importance of the ninth house and Venus and Mercury's placements therein as they relate to astrology. In addition, we discuss the term Lords of the Ascendant as it relates to the native's talents and vocation. In reference to Abu Mashar, we spoke about the lot of works, which could be considered either a second house lot or a tenth house lot, and speaks to, quote, the nature of the goods that someone creates, unquote. By day, it is calculated by measuring from Mercury to Venus and projecting from the Ascendant. By night, we would do the opposite, so measure from Venus to Mercury and project from the Ascendant. We concluded our talk by looking at these delineations in the chart of Demetra George, which was really illuminating. Thank you again, Amy, for joining me for this conversation and sharing your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. 
Please be sure to check out the links to Amy's website and socials below, as well as links to some of the resources that we touch on in our conversation. Amy Green, thank you so much for being with me today and coming to share your thoughts about this. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, SP. My pleasure. Um, I would love to start with you just giving a brief introduction uh, to yourself and your practice. Sure. So I'm a consulting astrologer. I've been seeing clients since 2016. I've only recently started seeing clients full-time as my only gig. So this is a fun experiment to be a part of, to look at myself through. Um, I teach inside of Austin Coppock's Fundamentals of Astrology courses, so for year one and two students. And my website is amygreensastrology.com. Very cool. And I'll be sure to link that in the show notes as well. Um, so I'm having you on the podcast to talk about this recent interview that Chris Brennan did with Rob Hand and this comment that Rob Hand made about a lot of fortune and mercury as well as the place of acquisition and so i'm just curious to hear your general take on that comment and whether you think it's accurate and complete what have you yeah it's super fun i love finding other additional things that we can add to what we already know about how to find things in a chart especially around career and how people are going to do in the world it's useful stuff so it was a fun concept to hear you mentioned that you found a lot of stuff um, by reading Firmicus and putting some of the concepts that Firmicus puts forward uh, into chart analysis. And so I'm really interested to hear more about uh, the research that you've done into not only professional astrologers, but professional artists. What have you found there? So many things. <laughs> um, I mean, specifically, what hand was saying does make sense when we think of how we build the lot of fortune like it is a symbolic representation of the moon sun and ascendant relationship in all the charts that i ever look at the placement of each one of those points will be swayed towards astrology you could say if they are falling in the rulership and or terms of Mercury. So if he's saying that that condensed point landing with Mercury in some fabulous way disposes us that way, I'm going to say there's probably some logic there, right? It's not the only thing we should look for. And I wouldn't say it would exclude people from being able to be astrologers and make make their pennies. <laughs> but there's certainly logic there. My first thought was about a portion in, it was book seven of Mathesis, because um, the house of occupations is described as being second from fortune. So we're taught in Firmicus to look at any planets that are in the house that's second from fortune, and that considering the natural signification of those planets should inspire us to think about what occupations that person could actually bring in sustenance. So that's different. And if I may, um, what do you mean exactly by natural significations? 
Sure. So each planet has its own set of things in the world that we associate with it. So Mercury is a person of letters and of calculations and of commerce, if Venus is included, right? Or of artistry, if we're looking at only Venus, etc. And then you said that the book three of Firmicus is also important as well uh, in relation to the ninth house as it relates to astrology, correct? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to put together some go-to, what do you want to look at to see if someone's an astrologer in a chart, the ninth house holds that signification. So in book three of Firmicus, we can see that If you have only Venus in the ninth house, you will be someone who, I'm going to look it up right now just so I can read it because it's hilarious, want to announce something to men as if it was said by the gods, people who are accustomed to prophecy. Uh, It will make him who has Venus thus be battered by the constant disturbance of some demon. You know, these are great, but basically the, yeah, being compelled to speak from that divinatory perspective is a thing that lives in the ninth house. Firmicus brings in Mercury in a way more explicit way, also in that book, spelling out that if you have Mercury found as a morning star in the ninth, you can make priests, diviners, diviners from entrails, mathematicians, astrologers, and those who derive their life support from these arts and professions. Always stronger when you add benefic stars, you know, that's quite explicit. Yeah, absolutely. And then in, uh, you mentioned book five, the term Lord of the Ascendant can also play a role in the occupation or kind of uh, vocation of the native. Yeah, big time. And that's one that's really borne out just looking at charts of people who are more inclined to a literary art or translators or public speaking, you know, all the things that we associate with Mercury actually on the Ascendant, you get flavors of just by having the Ascendant in the terms of Mercury. And then people who are inclined more towards the artistic side of things or the musicality will have the terms of Venus for their ascendant. And that's really been borne out by charts I've looked at. Wonderful. And then I would love if you could talk more about um, this lot of works that you mentioned to me. Yeah. So the lot of works is a lot that I found calculations for in Abu Mashar's Great Introduction. And it's listed in two places. One is as a 10th house lot. So it's something we're really looking at for career. And it's also listed as the lot of found wealth. So it's a second house lot too. So very, very pertinent to the topics we're talking about here. Um, And it's calculated using Mercury and Venus. So we would expect to calculate this lot If we were interested in the nature of the goods that someone was creating. So it's fun to look at. It's by day from Mercury to Venus and then projected from the Ascendant. And by night from Venus to Mercury and projected from the Ascendant. And it should tell you a little about the things that you want to make. (laughs) 
I wanted to go back to the chart example that you brought up because I do think it plays into this chart, but you mentioned Demetra George's chart in relation to kind of all of these concepts. So I think it'd be great if we could kind of bring all the concepts together in this in this chart example. Yeah. I mean, hers is great because one of the things that matters so much in any astrology is that you're not just taking one technique and saying, oh, I see that this works in this one way. It's like, no, you want multiple things with testimony, multiple testimonies. So, I mean, there's like six things in her chart that lead to making money from astrology. (laughs) So we can start with a lot of works. If you calculate it as a day chart, we have Mercury landing in the terms of Jupiter in the second house. And who is the ruler of the second house in Demetra's chart? None other than Mercury. Wow. And Mercury is super loud and angular in the first house near the ascendant. Awesome. One of the really basic ones, though, I mean, what we started with, placing astrology in the ninth house, the ruler of the ninth is in the second in Demetra's chart. So that's very clearly taking the topics that that planet is responsible for and putting them in a place where we can generate money from them. Ninth house topics moving into this place of livelihood. Yeah. And the fact that her Venus is also responsible for resourcing the 10th house where her midheaven is reinforces that connection. The, The specific MC, so the degrees of her MC, um, are in the term rulership of Mercury. So just that would incline one to do something mercurial for your career. Yeah, I've absolutely seen term lord of the MC really speak to the work that the native does in the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's one I would stand by for sure. Um, I mean, it's fun to look at the, what Rob Hand said. So 11th from Fortune in Demetra's chart would be a sign that is ruled by Venus, but it is her 10th house. So it's that same house that we're speaking of with the MC. Okay. Yeah. And Venus being in Mercury sign. So going back to that super angular, prominent Mercury. Um, one of the things we learn from Firmicus also, just as a side note, is anytime you have both the sun and Mercury in an angular house, that inclines the person towards literature and letters and translation. So this chart would already be front-loaded in that direction. What else is here? I mean, just that the ruler of the Lot of Fortune is also in Mercury's sign. Mm. Yeah, so this takes it kind of uh, a step further and looks at like where the ruler of the Lot of Fortune, where the ruler of the place of accomplishment is. And that can also add some flavor to how things might show up in the Native's life in terms of work and livelihood. Yeah. I mean, when I think of the lot of fortune, just in general, you want to look at the ruler of the sign, the ruler of the degree, so the term lord, and as far down the dignity cake as you want to go, really, and its relationship to all those same things for whoever's ruling the sect light. So if we're looking at just sign rulership here in Demetra's chart, the relationship between the moon and the sun and it's a supportive sextile so that's just general lot of fortune things to look for right 
Yeah, that's an important addition to adding in the sect light and the relationship with the Lord of um, the lot of fortune as it relates to that. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, we're not always judging it on its own. We want to see the relationship between planets. Right. And that's the interesting thing. I mean, and the important thing about astrology, if we just talk about a sun sign or we just talk about moon sign, it's like all of these things are part of uh, an interconnected web, which is the birth chart and which is how that birth chart relates to so many other different charts. Yeah. And it can feel unwieldy to go all the way down a dispositor tree Mm -hmm. too. So like I'm thinking of my chart and how the 11th from fortune is ruled by a planet that answers to a planet that is housed with Mercury. So it's like a three steps, right? But it really does bear out in practice when you're working with charts Mm -hmm. to see those relationships and dragging those house topics in and the amount of Mercury that you have going on. Like I've had astrology as a side gig for years. We'll see if I can do a whole year of this, right? (laughs) You're in your first year of full-time professional practice. I am. And that's an important question, too, that isn't really uh, clear. Like, even in famous professionals' charts, um, like, someone pointed out to me that Dane Rudyard, one of the most famous, influential astrologers of the 20th century, he was a musician as well. And so he may have considered his main gig music rather than astrology, but he wrote all of these books and has been really influential in modern astrology. And so it's hard to say, like, what does it mean to make your livelihood from something if there's like this kind of multi, multivariate, multifaceted professional life that's occurring as a part of that? Absolutely. I mean, technically, we can see how diluted these things are through term rulership, like how many different term rulers are contributing. Mm-hmm. And that should speak to how fragmented our experiences are or aren't. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot in balance in these texts about when you have the same planet who is hosting the important lots and sect lights and all of that like you it the more focused and driven by a certain singular planet then the more you're kind of their avatar in the world and really do that work right a lot of us are very fragmented these days <laughs> yeah absolutely all right any um additional thoughts before we before we close I think all that is great. I'm so happy that you and Mo are taking this on. It's a super fun project. Thanks for letting me in on it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your, that like seemingly, you know, you have quite a bit of knowledge. So I really, really appreciate it. Like I'm a new student to astrology. I've been studying astrology for like a year. So, and I just started this podcast and people... (laughs) And, I, and I'm excited about astrology. And so I'm doing doing research projects and stuff. And uh, I'm just grateful that people want to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're all students. We stay students for so long. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm satirizing. So, so I think I'm probably going to be a student for, for life with like a lot of strong mercury too. So yeah, I think I'll be, I'll be studenting for, for a long time. Yeah. I forget things if I don't teach them to people right away. So I've got to be in that role too. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool.
To support the show by donating or becoming a member, please visit my website, which is linked in the show notes. And please subscribe to the show wherever you listen. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. See those links in the show notes as well. If you have any questions or feedback on the show, please feel free to contact me via my website or email me at sphallhorary at gmail.com. In the show notes, you can also find links to astrologers and resources that we touched on in this episode. Thanks. See you next time.